He's too ugly to be the world champ. The world champ should be pretty like me. Well, he told me to bet my life that you wouldn't go three rounds. Well, if you want to lose your money, then bet on Sunday. Muhammad Ali in his heyday as the best boxer in the world, the boxing champ. Well, on Easter weekend of 1988, a then-struggling writer and movie store clerk named Davis Miller drove to Muhammad Ali's mother's modest house in Louisville, Kentucky, knocked on the front door, and waited for an answer. What he got was a very, very close friendship with the former boxing champ and uh, a relationship and a friendship that continues to this day. Davis has written uh, about his relationship with Muhammad Ali in Approaching Ali, a reclamation in three acts. Davis Miller's on the line with us this morning. Good morning to you. Good morning, John. How are you? I'm very well, sir. Thank you. Tell me, what was it about Muhammad Ali that made you go to his house, It's you know, to, to knock on the door and, and try to talk to him? Well, I mean, he'd been my childhood hero. He'd been my hero ever since... Uh um, my mom died when I was 11 years old, and um, um, I was hugely depressed and was in hospital a couple of times. And the second time when I came out, I was sitting, sadly, in, in front of my dad's little black and white TV, and I turned, uh, switching channels, and I landed on this voice and this face, and the voice said, I'm young, I'm handsome, I'm fast, I'm pretty, you can't possibly be beat. And, and he lit me up. I mean, he just, and he'd been my hero ever since that time. And um, when I went and knocked on his door, his mom's door in Louisville, um, I just found out that day that I was losing my job clerking in those video stores. And that because all nine of those stores were going to be closed. So again, I was, I was depressed. And just coincidentally drove past his mom's on the way back from finding that out. Um, and I just felt I needed to thank him for, all the things he meant in my life, and went up and knocked. He came to the door. Uh, he was so huge, he had to lean under the frame to see me. Uh, he, he looked like he looked as big as God. He looked like a some grand house on a hill, all lit up. And uh, he already had Parkinson's then. He'd had it about ten years, so he didn't talk much. And he waved me in with um, two fingers of his right hand and sat me down, did amateur magic tricks for me. He's a really fine amateur magician, signed everything I could ever wish he'd want, I'd, I'd want him to sign. And then we got out in his mom's yard and started play boxing. I'd been a professional kickboxer also because of his influence. And, and his mom's was on a corner lot, and cars stopped all the way around. People, <laughs> first there were five cars. Within three minutes, there were 15 cars and 25 cars. And People rolled down their car windows and waved and cheered, hey, champ, hey, champ, and he invited me into dinner, um, and it changed my life. Um, I, I knew that my life was being changed in those moments. It felt like an out-of-body experience. Um, I've never done LSD, but it felt like what hallucinogens must feel like, <laughs> and, he, um, um, and I'd always wanted to be a writer. And I felt I saw some things in him that no one had ever written about. Um, and the few thin stories, this is 1988, and the few thin stories that were being published about him then all said that he was in a near-vegetative state, that he couldn't feed himself, that he was broken, that he was less than he had been. And I found quite the opposite. I found that he was no less Ali than he'd ever been, 
that in many ways he'd been made, been made wise by his Parkinson's disease. And I was so naive, I called up an editor at Esquire magazine and said pretty much what I've just been saying to you. Mm-hmm. And, and um, uh, you know, I, now I know that nobody buys an idea for a story like that over the phone. Huh. We talked about a half hour, and he did. And it launched me when the, the story was published. Uh, it became instantaneously famous, was eventually named one of the 20 best pieces of sports writing of the 20th century. And uh, my relationship with Ali over the years has just grown and grown. Uh, we've remained friends. Um, and now there's this book that's been 38 years. Um, I've been writing this darn thing for 38 years. I think it's a life's work. I hope it's the most intimate writing ever written about the guy. Why and, do you uh, why do you think yeah, why do you think that that um, you know a stranger shows up at his front door, and yeah. of course celebrities you know have people recognize them and what have you and 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 a lot of times they're turned away. But why do you think he invited you in? Well, I think he'd invite you in. I think he'd invite every, all your listeners in at that time, and and really up until just a few years ago, because now he's in advanced stages of Parkinson's. But he wanted to be the world's most available man. Um, it's not like I'm any closer to him than 10,000 other people have been. Mm-hmm. It's just that I write about him in a, no way, in a way no one else has. I'm, I'm kind of every man in these stories, and he's Superman in decline. Now, as I say that, there is also the other component. I mean, within moments after asking me in that first time, he said, I like your face, kind. And, and, um, and he said many times over the years that, that I have a kind of, innocence about me that he feels he can connect with. And, and I mean, that's, I think that's one of the things that, that we love about Ali, is that he's, you know, that, that childlike sense of humor. You know, that, that this, this is a man who's seen and been and done everything a man can do, and yet he does retain a certain kind of innocence. In the, the book, you write about the relationship between Ali and, uh, and Joe Fraser, and uh, you talk about uh, a, a dinner uh, at which uh, both of them were uh, were on the dais, and uh, and talk about that. Talk about his relationship with with Foreman um, going back to, I guess, back in the seventies when they fought, or was well, it the sixties? Yeah, it, it was. Uh, it was the first. Uh, Ali fought Frazier three times: seventy one, seventy four, and seventy five. Okay, um, and he won two of those contests. Um, particularly, Ali's ego was a bit out of control uh, after he knocked out Foreman in, in October 74. He was the most, suddenly the most popular man in the world, and uh, it went to his head some. And uh, he said some things he now regrets about Joe Frazier, calling him a gorilla uh, and Uncle Tom. Uh, Joe never forgave Ali. Uh, Joe died, I don't know, three, four, five years ago. Mm-hmm. And I think he went. I think he went to his grave, never forgiving Ali. But Ali um, asked Joe to forgive him numerous times, and uh, yeah. And and I and I think he considered Joe a friend. And and it's just kind of sad that that Joe never forgave him. And I, in some ways, Ali's been painted as a bit of a villain uh, because of the things with Joe Frazier. People don't know the other end of that. That that Joe, for instance, said that when Ali lent the Olympic frame in 1996 in Atlanta, and the, that memorable moment that we all well remember with him standing with his hand shaking, lighting uh, the Olympic torch, Olympic flame, 
that uh, Joe said well, he wished that they'd just pushed Ali into the flame um, instead of him lighting the torch, or instead of him lighting it. And, you know, so Joe remained very, very bitter. Um, but those were three remarkable fights. The third one, the Thrill of Manila, is, is generally considered the single best prize fight in any weight division ever. Yeah. It's an extraordinary thing to watch. Yeah. What's Muhammad Ali's life like now? He's, he is... I, I won't say that his his health is better than people think, but it's different from people think. He he still loves being Ali. I saw him most recently. I haven't seen him since September, but I spent some time with him this past September, and I was kind of heartened. Um, he put on about thirty pounds since I'd seen him the year before, which was good. Um, he was very playful. He was still doing magic tricks for kids. He spends some time in a wheelchair. He spends a, a part of his day getting up and exercising. He walks every day. He stretches every day. He does upper body workout every day. Um, people think he can't talk, but he does. He can talk your ear off, uh, especially first thing in the morning. If you call him in the mornings, um, he'll, he'll talk you to talk you to death. And I mean, he still does the same old stuff, you know that. Uh, from Adam until now, I'm the greatest in the recorded history of mankind. <laughs> he still does all of that stuff, and 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 he's he's also intensely introspective. Um, one of the things that people don't know about him is that a few years ago, you know, everybody knows with his name and, and other reasons that he converted to Islam way back in 1964, but they don't know how that's evolved over the decades. Um, in about 2004 or 2005, he converted, uh, converted to Sufism. And Sufism is the mystical sect yeah. of Islam, and arguably the most peaceful sect of any major or minor religion in the world. Sufis believe if you purposely do harm to any person, then you're doing harm to all of us. You're, you're hurting all human beings. And that's the way Ali has been living for long before he'd ever heard of Sufism or Rumi, who founded it, or Sufis. Um, something he said to me way back in 1990 uh, is he said, um, there's truth in Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, Judaism, uh, Christianity, all religions. And in just plain talking, the only religion that matters is the real religion, Love, and I mean that sounds smarmy as can be coming out of my mouth, but it, it, and it would out of yours, I suppose. But when it's you know the world's baddest man, then <laughs> then then we relate to it a different way. Indeed, Davis, I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you so much, Davis Miller, the author of Approaching Ali: A Reclamation in Three Acts.